Hello and welcome to the Daily Post podcast with Sachin Hadao and Milan Bandari, where we will be talking about all the things worth talking about in the magical world of the NBA. I am your co-host, Milan Bandari. And I'm Sachin Hadao. And today we are going to be talking about the top three draft picks in the 2020 NBA draft. Okay, and for our first player that we are going to cover, Anthony Edwards. All right, so Millen, what type of player do you think Anthony Edwards is going to be? How do you think he's going to be remembered at the end of his career? Well, so that's a complicated question. So what kind of player do I think that he, uh, that he is? I think that he's a Russell Westbrook type of player. For example... He is very reliant on his athleticism and quickness and not too reliant on his shots and his shots and defense. Yes, they both have pretty good defense, but they're not reliant on their defense like Marcus Smart. So I think that um, I think that um, Russell Westbrook is a good comparison to Anthony Edwards as a player. And where do I see Anthony Edwards being? I picture him having many all-star, like many all-star appearances, lots of all-NBA appearances, potentially an NBA champ and some other accolades, potentially like rookie of the year, all that other stuff. So in short term, I see him as a Hall of Famer, but not in, not even close to being in the GOAT conversation. Okay, okay. Um, and when you look at Edwards' stats... Right, he just over 40% shooting, and from three, he's shooting 29.4%, which is abysmal for a guard nowadays. So, evidently, he's not a shooter, and he might not be the most efficient. However, he is still averaging around 19 points a game. How do you think that that do you think that's ever going to have to change? Kind of like how Michael Jordan. Um, had to end up changing his game to develop a shot um, and develop a mid-range. Do you think that Edwards's game is going to change from the athletic currently that it is to shooting? Well, um, I personally think that that is an unfair comparison, Michael Jordan to um, Anthony Edwards, because Michael Jordan was never, per se, inefficient in his shooting. He was always around 50%. And even sixty in some seasons. No, I'm re- I'm referring to his three point percentage. Yes, but but um, Edwards often his highlight clips you see him shooting three pointers. Michael Jordan's highlights were never three point shots. So I think that again it's an irrelevant comparison. But I do, but and also I don't see Edwards changing his style of game because it worked well for Russell Westbrook and it's working well for Anthony Edwards. So. No, I don't see him changing the way that he plays the game of basketball. Okay. Okay, yeah. All right. So, Edwards is a very interesting player. So, as we know, he's gone to the Minnesota Timberwolves, who never really had too much success. But as of right now, they are not doing good. And um, that's obviously how they ended up getting the first overall pick, contending for that pick because they're really just one of the worst teams in the league, just to put it straight. They're one of the worst teams in the league. 
do you think that Edwards could help turn this team around in the upcoming seasons? And do you see him even staying with the Timberwolves? Well, so, um, again, it's a complicated question, but no, I don't see him. I don't see him being able to carry his team to the playoffs because of the sheer fact of his team and his team isn't exactly the most motivated team. For example, Carl Anthony Towns, you saw what Jimmy Butler did to him. So he's clearly not the most motivated guy to be better at basketball and have his team being better. And, um, well, I, I definitely see him leaving Minnesota after one or two years. And he's definitely, in my opinion, not going to have a big impact because I think that he's going to take a bench role because of Ricky Rubio and D'Angelo Russell. Okay, okay. Um, Well, obviously, Edwards could possibly be passing Rubio in the upcoming season because, after all, Ricky Rubio is getting older and older. Um, But Ricky Rubio can play defense. Fair point, fair point. Okay, and Millen, here's my last question for you. At the end of Edwards' career, how do you view his situation to be? Like, obviously, you said earlier, he won't really be in the GOAT debate. But how do you think his career is going to fully pan out in terms of, is he going to become a journeyman? We really, obviously, we can't really know. We can only speculate. Is he going to become a journeyman? Is he, is he going to become the GOAT? We don't know. Is he going to be um, really good at winning championships? Will he never have playoff success? Um, is he going to be a bust? Or how, how do you think that his, that's going to actually work out? So, um, like I said earlier, I picture him being an all-star, all-NBA, and a couple of other accolades, potentially rookie of the year, and maybe a most improved player. And no, but not even like those wait, types wait, of... Wait, wait, wait. I definitely see him making the Hall of Fame. And I think that the only way for him to be... Um, higher in that is if he won championships. So I don't picture him as an NBA championship winner. I picture him as more of a modest, uh, a modest um, uh, superstar potentially, but not a, um, but not an immediate championship impact. I think that for him to be higher in his career, like goat conversation, I think that he has to win championships. And I don't see the drive in Anthony Edwards that I, that I felt that I would see in Michael Jordan and all those other players. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a great answer. But, like, I was sort of um, asking, like, um, not accolades, not accolades, um, sort of miscellaneous things, like the impact he's going to have on the NBA. Just, like, take, for example, Stephen Curry, who has an impact in terms of people are shooting way more threes. Similar things. What's his impact gonna be? How much of an impact is uh, is he gonna have on future players that are gonna be coming after him? Or what is he going to do? How many teams is he gonna go to? For example, is he gonna stay faithful and stay in Minnesota his entire career? Or like I said, is he gonna be a journeyman? Anything in between? How is that gonna work out? Yes. Um, like I said earlier, I see him leaving, but I don't see him being like a a person that someone looks up to on their on their bedroom ceiling. He's a poster of Anthony Edwards. No, so I don't see him being a super. 
I don't see him being an icon. I see, I don't see him being Michael Jordan, Steph Curry, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant. I see him being someone like yeah. Tracy, like Tracy McGrady. Guy, well, that's actually a pretty high regard right there. Um, all right, all right. Well, that's going to wrap up the Anthony Edwards, but we are going to be moving on to James Wiseman. Okay, so Sachin, you are, I think, one of the biggest Golden State Warriors fans out there. So what was your immediate reaction when you found out the Warriors took James Wiseman? I was actually fairly excited, but then again, it's almost like you prime yourself for the situation because, yeah, there there were rumors that they'd pick Obi Toppin, but the thing is, he's very similar to Draymond Green, a player who you're already paying $25 million a year for, and it's not like his contract is going to end next year. No, he has quite a bit left, and I do think that uh, they wouldn't actually pick him. Once again, it's kind of like that smoke screen they're working behind that all teams are doing. They don't, you don't really know who they're going to pick, but you just have to speculate and think about it. And it makes absolutely no sense to pick somebody that's very similar to a different player, especially if you're paying that other player big money. And I figured that, that they wouldn't pick, they wouldn't actually pick Obi Toppin. Um, now, obviously, there was more debate, kind of like LaMelo. No, you already have one of the greatest point guards ever who's still on your team and not out of his prime yet. Millen, feel free to disagree on that. I think that's true. Um, so James Wiseman was really the only one left, and they don't really have a center. This season, I remember reading something like they didn't have a single player over 6'11 or something. Um they didn't have a real center. Everyone was power forwards there. Marquis, Chris, natural position is power forward. All of these players, natural position is power forward. The closest thing to that might be Smilagic, but that's about it. And now they're going to have not only a really good center possibly, but young who can still develop and get way better. So it's going to be really exciting. But then again, we also kind of expected this. Um, especially because then Edwards was off of the table. Pretty much every NBA fan was like, okay, Wiseman is going to go to the Warriors now. That was fairly understandable. But yeah, my immediate reaction was fairly excited because we don't really know how a defensive-minded center is going to end up fitting into arguably the greatest offensive team ever. It's going to be really, really exciting. All right. So, um, what, um, what I think is, I think that he's going to be a great fit, but Sachin, what do you think about the fit? Do you think that he's going to be a good fit? Yeah, I def, I definitely do think that he could be a really good fit because, um, as you've pointed out to me many times before there, the Warriors greatest weakness was a center. And what it showed in the stats was that, 65% of the time, if someone were driving to the rim, and that's where they had problems was protecting the rim, 65% of the time, you would make it versus the 54% average in the NBA. So it was always the Warriors biggest problem was protecting the rim efficiently. 
Now, granted, they've had some good players like Kevin Durant, who can play pretty good defense down low, or Draymond Green, who can actually play fairly good defense down low. But they we've still had a problem with centers. So now that problem is averted. And you have James Wiseman, who is definitely going to be a lockdown defender, defender in the paint. And I think that this will be a great fit, especially because Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson can space out the court. And James Wiseman can get you buckets when you need it. So I think James Wiseman is a great addition to the Warriors. Oh, and um, Sachin, sir, um, I, I don't mean to interject, but here is some breaking news. Yes. Russell Westbrook was just traded to the Washington Wizards for John Wall. Yes. For what? Yeah, it just happened like five minutes ago. But yes, you, yes, he was just traded to the Washington Wizards for John Wall in a first no round pick. No way. Yes, way. Okay, so such a, before, before we get too into talking about this, last question. Okay, where would you think that you picture James Wiseman landing in his final career landings? Like, where do you see him ending up as a player? And I don't, but don't, but don't sugarcoat it because you are a Warriors fan. No, I will not sugarcoat it. I don't see him averaging the most points ever. I don't see him as a particularly scorer. And to be honest, I don't really know if he's going to be um, the biggest defensive anchor ever. I don't think he's going to have, like, the blocks record or whatever. Which, by the way, I absolutely do not think Hakeem Olajuwon should hold that. I think Wilt Chamberlain or Bill Russell would destroy that record if they had the stats back then. But... I don't think I don't see him ever achieving what Hakeem Olajuwon got in terms of block. I don't ever see him achieving the steals record or anything even close to that. I don't think that Wiseman is going to necessarily be a leader in any of those major stats, or he's going to be considered in the goat conversation. But I definitely see him as a very solid center and possibly a Hall of Famer, because. I mean, you think about what he, what the skills he has and then how it compares to the NBA. Yeah, he's not a stretch five, which is actually kind of the requirements in today's league, but he is definitely a really good defensive player, which is actually lacked in quite a bit of centers at this point. Many of these teams are now looking for centers who shoot threes and don't really care about the rim protecting ones like Dwight Howard, who have faded from the scene. So it's going to be a bit different now. And I think James Wiseman is going to possibly bring bring back that era of rim protect, protecting centers. He could possibly have that type of impact. All right. That is really interesting. All right. So such a Well, so the last player is LaMelo Ball. So are there any questions that you would like to ask me about LaMelo Ball? Oh, yeah. Loads upon loads. All right. So... Lamelo, I mean, this is interesting. We're not going to talk about his time in, um, in Lavar Ball's league because I mean, come on, Th- that was too easy for him. Firstly, way too easy for him, and secondly, it's his father's own league. Um, but we are going to talk about some of his time overseas, like for example, in Australia, when he was on, uh. I don't really know how to pronounce that. Please forgive me for butchering it. Ilawura? I I don't really know. But he was doing really good. 
he was doing really good on that team. I mean, he was averaging around 17 points a game with pretty much seven assists per game and around seven and a half rebounds. He was doing amazing. Millen, how do you think this, how do you think LaMelo Ball as of right now differs from the Chino Hills LaMelo Ball, who was like 15 years old or the eighth grade LaMelo Ball who still played for varsity? How do you think this current version of LaMelo Ball differs from that? Well, he went through puberty. Oh, roasted. Okay, um, all jokes aside, but um, first of all, he's a lot taller, but um, he's he is a lot taller and his game has matured. Instead of the deep three shooting like kid, he is now a calculated marksman and playmaker. So Sachin, what's your take on that? I definitely agree with you. I think that, um, yeah, he has gotten a lot taller. I think he used to be like 5'8", now he's like 6'7", or something. Um, Yeah, but he has developed a really all-around game. I completely agree with what you're saying. And he is not only just a squid. He's not only just a person who will chuck up threes. He has an inside game now. He's a fairly good slasher. Um, He defense... Not exactly the greatest, but he is averaging around one and a half steals. Not too bad at all. And he's he's not taking the same shots that he used to. He's not just chucking it up from half court. As you said, a calculated marksman. Really good way of putting it. He's not just shooting whatever he wants just because he wants to. And it's not like you're just stat padding and making up the points. No, he's actually working for his points and getting them hard. And if he needs to, he'll pass it, as we said, with the just around seven assists per game. Now, one thing to cover, his overall field goal percentage is 37 and a half. And he has an abysmal point or 25% from three. How how do you view that, Millen? Well, I just 25. see it I just see it as room for improvement, honestly. But that uh, yeah, I mean like calculated marksman, I wouldn't call it a marksman necessarily. Well, I mean, okay. But he's still he he I think that he's a calculated marksman. Because when you give him an open shot, he makes it. And when he gets hot, he gets really hot. If you watch his highlights, you'll see that when he starts to make shots, he doesn't stop making shots. And so I think that if he can make a sort of consistency on that, then he'll be one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Potentially better than Steph Curry. Uh, Okay, I'm just going to stop you right there and shut down all of that possibility. Because this is literally on par with Michael Jordan's threes. Like, okay, let's actually review the stats for a second here. Melo is shooting 25% from three. All right, and now taking a random year in Jordan's career. All right, let's take 91 to 92, right? Three-point percentage, 27 So he's literally shooting around Jordan's. And yes, granted, Jordan was terrible at threes in the beginning of his career. But still, 
Lamella was not shooting good, especially for someone who started only shooting, you know? And I just don't know about that 25% from three. I mean, yes, as, as covered, he's not just chucking them up whenever he feels like, but clearly that's not necessarily helping him. Okay, but um, Sachin, Sachin, technically his 25% from three is approximately the same amount as 40-ish, like low 40% from two, and that is respectable. So I think that when you put it on a point system, like how many points he is averaging per shot, you can see that he's actually pretty effective. I, I wrote, I said overall field goal percentage. If you want to know the complete stats from the 2019 to 2020 season, when he played for team that I will not say their name because I don't really know how to say it, he averaged 25% from three and 45.8% from two to calculate for an overall field goal percentage of 37.5. When you look at NBA stats, they're telling you the overall field goal percentage. Let's take Gordon Hayward, for example, his teammate. The field goal percentage for him in his rookie year was 48.5, right? His two-point percentage is actually different. It's higher. It's 48.9. Reason being because field goal percentage is calculated finding waiting out and finding the uh, total from both your three-point and two-point percentages. So that's what we're calculating, and that's what you look at. So it's really not a good look for LaMelo to have 37.5 percentage. But as covered, you can definitely improve that once you reach the NBA. So I definitely agree with you on that, Millen. He has the potential to be deadly, but I do think that he needs to work a bit on his shot in general. Uh, he's shooting 72 from free throw. So there's definitely room for improvement over there. But I mean, yeah. But yeah, as we were saying, his teammate, Gordon Hayward. Millen, how do you feel about Gordon Hayward? A man who was figured to never get more than 10 million a year and was considered crazy to turn down the contract that Boston offered him. How do you feel about him signing a four-year, $120 million contract? Well, I feel that he knows exactly what he's doing. I think that he came to Charlotte not for the money because he knows that Charlotte can be good. I'm, I'm referring to the Hornets. What do you think they're doing? Yeah, the Charlotte Hornets. No, I mean, what do you think they're doing by signing him to a, a contract as big as that? I know, yes, I'm, I'm getting to that, I'm getting to that, I'm getting to that. I think that, first, the appeal. Gordon Hayward, the reason why Charlotte knew that Gordon Hayward would sign was because he knew that he could be a mentor of sorts to LaMelo Ball, or just it's a chance for him to show that he's not the guy who twisted his ankle in... um. Ugh, okay anywho um Ugh, I, i'm remembering that now yes that was, sorry about well, that okay um so i think that charlotte is trying to rebuild and once you get players that are appealing like gordon hayward and um Lamelo ball if they can do well together they become a destination and once they're a destination better players will be willing to sign for less money 
We saw what DeMarcus Cousin did. He signed less money than Ron Baker. Like, yeah, you don't even know who Ron Baker is. That's the point. Yeah, I do. It's the guy It's the guy who averages like 0.7 points a game, 0.4. Um, yeah, that guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He used to play for the Knicks. Yeah, I only remember – to be honest, I only know that because of a Jimmy Highroller video that I watched. Um, <laughs> uh, but you were like – but still, yeah, yeah, for sure. But, yeah, mm-hmm. the thing about destinations – how are you going to turn a team like this? Like, I'm sorry. Michael Jordan just drove this team into the dirt. The only hope that they have right now is draft picks. No offense, but they haven't got the greatest players ever. And it's not because if you had a player Why are trapped, talking about like the Anthony Bulls? Davis and the Pelicans, for example, now they have so much of a chance to become a great team because they had a huge name on their team and they were getting upcoming draft picks. The Hornets do not have the same. They have Melo and an older Gordon Hayward who had a horrific injury. Trust me, if you have not seen that injury, you really don't want to watch it. Just take my word for it. Um, but other than that, they really don't have too much else. Devontae Graham becoming great. Um, he could be really good. Malik Monk. I mean, you really don't have too much to trade with. Like, oh, yeah, we'll offer you this, and then you give us your best player. I don't really think that that's how it's going to end up working out. So mm-hmm. I think that Charlotte is stuck for a while until they can amass a lot of really good picks. And then that's the only time the teams will ever want to trade with them. So I don't really know about the Charlotte thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that Charlotte is an experiment. I think that they're experimenting to see what works and what doesn't work. And I think with that, that is the Daily Post podcast. Thank you so much for listening.